It's hard to stay sober in the city. Here's your sobriety assistant, Debbie Strand. This is Sober in the City, brought to you by Believe Treatment Center. Believe Treatment Center understands and treats all forms of addiction. Call now, 1-855-874-2354, or visit believetreatmentcenter.com. Advisors are standing by to tell you how they can help and how your insurance can pay for it. We're back with more Sober in the City, and I'm Debbie Strand, and we're talking about the cost of addiction and what that means to you. If you think you or someone you care about might have a problem with drugs, alcohol, food issues, sex, gambling, and love addiction, give us a call at 800-SOBER-05, 800-SOBER-05. I'd love to hear from you. Tell me if you're staying sober. Tell me how you're doing it if you are. And who's taking you back out if you're not staying sober? Who's made you so angry that you said, I'll show you, I'll hurt me? Hmm. What is your opinion of all this stuff? I want to hear from you. I want to talk to you. Visit us at the website at SoberInTheCity.com and listen live on the Sober in the City app, both for Apple and Android devices. Call now, 800-SOBER-05. We are talking about the cost of addiction and what that means to you. So give us a call, 800-SOBER-05. I was looking up some statistics today in the total drug-related emergency room visits. This was in 2010. I'm suspecting they've probably gone up uh, 4,916,000 and some odd change, 328 to be exact. If you're in that some odd change, you'd probably want me to mention it. So I won't be remiss in mentioning 4,916,328 people have gone to the emergency room because of drug problems. That wasn't alcohol, people. That's just drugs. Drug misuse or abuse, 2,301,050. Pharmaceuticals. Okay, so they're even separating out pharmaceuticals from other drugs. Pharmaceuticals only, 1,345,645. Unbelievable. Illicit drugs, 1,171,024. And alcohol, 687,574, and in combination with other drugs, 564,796. Underage drinking, almost 200,000. That's some large, large statistics. Just drug-related visits to the ER, almost 5 million people in 2010. So what are the costs of addiction? My God. You think everybody's paying their hospital bills here on this? You show up in the emergency room, tore down on drugs? I know I didn't pay them. I had a lot of amends to make. I'm still working on those. And have you ever wondered, what could I have been if I didn't come out to be an addict? What could I have done? What potential have you failed to reach because of addiction? And what else have you lost because of your addictions? Do I ever wonder what would have happened with me and my fiance that died of an overdose if he had lived? What do you think? Seriously. We're going to go to Karen from Detroit. Karen, welcome to Sober in the City. Hi, Debbie. Thanks for having me on. Oh, my pleasure. Would you please share on what was the cost of addiction and what does that mean to you? Because some people have explained it in financial terms. Some people have uh, put it more in personal loss, a loss of themselves and their family. And a lot of people have focused on their children. What does loss mean to you when it comes to the cost of addiction? Wow. It's very ironic that, um, in fact, I'm trying not to choke up right here. Because of what the cost of addiction today, one year ago today, 
one of my best friends in recovery lost her son to a heroin overdose. And um, the kid was only 27 years old, had two baby boys that are just adorable that are growing up without their dad, you know, and um, DJ was kind of like a second son to me. And the kid was just, um, I mean, phenomenal. And so I guess for me, when I was listening to that, I thought, wow, okay, there's this big money part that I never even equated with all of it. Sure, it cost me a lot of money um, in all those years using, and I can only imagine the burden upon society of um, all those ERs. And I guess when you were reflecting on that, people started coming to mind. Um, because I'm a people person and being in uh, recovery and having 24 years, I've buried a lot of friends along the way. Um, some of them died clean, but they were dying as uh, consequences of their using, you know, and others didn't die clean. And they were that, you know, lesson where we tell their story. So hopefully somebody else doesn't have to go back out. But I really think, um, you know, my addiction personally in the beginning cost me myself. I lost myself probably before I even came to the place of addiction. But once I stepped off into that place of addiction, um, it was just like a total spiral downward. And having to be that people pleaser to get what I wanted and get my needs met. Um, you know, you dance to everybody else's tune and you so don't know who you are or what you are. Uh, you're so inside out. And I think that's probably the hardest part because all those other things you can regain, you know, the money, the car, the job, uh, you can get those back. But the people element, man, people and life is priceless. Definitely. You know, I shared about losing my fiance. He was 33 years old. He had potential. He had serious potential in life. He had a uh, genius IQ and a photographic memory. What could he have done with his life? But unfortunately for him, he couldn't let any of the things that happened to him in his past and his childhood go. He couldn't let anything go because he couldn't let go of that memory. It was like everything was PTSD with him. So it's really tough. And I'm sorry to hear about your pseudo son passing away of this disease. It's, it's just horrible. It just takes anybody. It has absolutely no shame. It just kills. Yeah, that's, I, th I think of all the babies that are growing up without parents um, as a result of these disease, this disease, you know, and what a loss that is for them personally and for society. But those of us that are, that are um, taking those steps to, to walk the road to recovery and to become those productive members in society again, you know, that's one of the places that uh, we can make amends to society by stepping in and um, reaching out to some of those children or helping the widows or the widowers that are left with the burden of having just one, you know, one parent, um, you know, like babysitting and things like that. It's just uh, a lot of people go, oh, well, I can't make a big impact. Boy, if you impact one child, you do not even know how many people, I mean, think of it. JFK was a child one time. Dr. Martin Luther King was a child one time. Billy Graham was a child one time. Somebody put something into their lives and look at how many lives impacted. Right. Or even if they just grow up and don't start affecting the world negatively, you know, maybe they're not going to find the cure for cancer. But if there's just one more person out there just not doing something negative, then that's a positive. 
Oh, yeah, the ripples of that. We can't even imagine the ripples of that in, um, in society. Just the one-to-one to one, uh, to one ratio um, could turn all those numbers that you were just talking about around. Now, just by reaching out to that one other person in that positive manner and letting them know that uh, they, they exist and have a purpose for existing, even if it's to smile at the girl in the grocery store line. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Well, you never know how much that that can make a difference because that may be the person who was faced that evening with a choice to maybe take heroin for the first time and now she had a really great day or did she have a really crappy day? You know, you just yeah, don't know how you affect the world or somebody else's day. Right, right. I'm totally there with you, Debbie, totally in that aspect. I tell people, um, you know, I work with the homeless out here in Detroit, and I tell even the guys and girls that come through our line, I'm like, if you woke up today, God had a purpose for your life and for you breathing right now, and your job is to find it, and it might just simply be to smile at another person, that that could change somebody's world, and you wouldn't even necessarily know it. Yeah, so true. So true. Karen, thanks for sharing and congratulations on 24 years of sobriety. That's fantastic. Great to hear. Thank you. We've got Patrick on the line. Patrick, where are you from? I'm from Ashland, Wisconsin, way up north in northern uh, Wisconsin, close to the Michigan border and Minnesota border, kind of in a little point. Oh, where the mosquitoes are like the birds. They're pretty bad in the summer when it gets right after a rain, but it's beautiful is, up here. Is it not? Is it not your official state bird mosquito? Well, it's a robin, but they're about the same size. Because <laughs> it's definitely the official state bird in Florida. We get some good ones here too. We grow them but large you, but in the you're swamp. Warmer down there. We're we're cooler here. So we deal with them a lot more months of the year. It'll, anyway so Patrick you hear us sharing about the topic of what does addictions cost you how would you like to view and tackle that subject well uh, yeah I was listening to Karen and her talks you know her her talking about her friend's son uh, that's devastating it really is it tears your heart out and you wish you could do more yeah but I've found um, that you can just uh, you know, uh, just help out. Do what you can. I know with me, if it wasn't for people out there that cared, I wouldn't be alive today. I know that. Uh, I was self-destructive from the word word go. I look back at my life. I look at my family upbringing. And I'm not blaming them. I buried my parents, and uh, I buried them with peace. But I started out where there was alcohol for everything. A funeral, if it got light out, uh, if it was sunny, <laughs> if it was warm, wedding, you name it, there was True. alcohol involved. True. And I, and I thought that was normal. And uh, as I grew up, I continued the usage and um, never looked at the uh, um, destruction I was creating, not only for myself, but the people in my life, my family. Uh, got married real young, um, pretty much destroyed that, had two young little girls. Thank God today uh, we uh, have put the past in the past. And uh, I was thinking one of the things that devastated me the most um, was a situation. I think about it a lot, and I've made my amends to my oldest daughter about it, but I was drunk hanging on this woman. 
in a place where she was with a bunch of her friends and she saw me with this other woman. I, I think about it today and it's just uh, repulsive of how I could have done that mm-hmm. and how I could have done that to her and to her mother and to her, her sister. It's just devastating the things I did. And thank God today I don't have to do that. Thank God I, um, I can see the right way and I don't have to use alcohol as a crutch. Uh, it's terrible destructive disease. And through my years with working with people and having people work with me, uh, I've uh, also experienced the death of people like Karen's talking about. But, you know, we can't fix everybody, but we can be there for people. And that's what I try to do. It's it's just uh, devastating to see what uh, alcohol does to this country. I mean, um, I think without... The problem uh, with the disease, uh, we'd have more peace than we'd ever could uh, think of. I think alcohol even affects that. I yeah. mean, it's it's it's, it's uh, to a point where uh, the decisions that some people make that are in uh, public office and that are uh, have the power, I think uh, they're obscured from the use of alcohol themselves. You, you look at some of the decisions and you scratch your head. Well, you yeah. know, we did we did have the Kennedys in office for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah, we did, and we've had some other ones besides that. Absolutely. Sat at the tables, and uh, when they were done, got uh, obliviated, um, and then made decisions that affected everybody's lives. And it's still happening today. I don't know with who, and it's none of my business, because I have to take care of myself, but I know it exists. Right. Yeah, well, of course uh, it does. I mean, it's because, again, the disease of addiction doesn't discriminate, and it's going to affect people that are, you know, in Congress and the Senate and everybody. They're, they're not right. going to be immune to it because of the positions that they have. So, yeah, but how do we do that, Patrick? How do we, how do we get rid of the disease of alcoholism? We've already tried to get rid of alcohol. Do you have any ideas? I wish I had an answer for that, but I guess if... Uh if we're in a position as a sober individual and there's somebody out there that's reaching out and I've been fortunate in my life and my career and even today that I can uh, help somebody, I'll do it. I, I teach a little class. It's for first offense, drunk driving. And um, I always let them know about the third session where I'm at with my life. I told this group last week. And I, I always let them know I'm available if they need some help. And I feel that by doing that, I can maybe help some of these individuals. I don't diagnose them. I, that's not my job. And I don't, uh, you know, pick on anybody for their drinking. You know, that's that's their life, you know. But what I want to do is make sure they know if they need some help, they can call me. And, and over the years, I've been doing this for 10 years now, over the years, I've had a number of people call me and been able to give them some advice to help them uh, take a look at their life and sober up. And that's rewarding for me. That keeps me sober. And um, that's the way it was with my career prior to that. I was able to do that. Glad that I am sober today, that I can help somebody else. I think Karen made the comment that if you wake up in the morning, God's got a plan for you. And through my destructive life and my behavior, I should have been dead by now. So he must have a plan for me every day when I wake up because I still keep waking up. (laughs) Sometimes I scratch my head and wonder, but... 
Uh, I, I believe that. That's one of my philosophies. You're around here for a purpose, and you have to uh, do what you're supposed to do. That's our job, is give it, to, give it to somebody else. Well, I think it's terrific that you're put right on the front lines like that, where people are coming in for DUI cases, and uh, they have the opportunity to meet someone who has a way out, because I didn't know there was a way out. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I, you know, as the book talks about, I couldn't differentiate the true from the false, and I be, began to believe that this was the only way of life, the way that I was living, and I was totally out of touch with reality. So um, it's great that you're there to be able to assist those people and point them in the right direction. Pat, I wanted to ask you, do you think that there are things that you missed out on in life because of becoming alcoholic? Did you miss out on opportunities? Do you think that you would be, I don't know, a ship's captain or something or living in a different part of the country? I don't know. I mean, do you think you would have taken a a vastly different route from what you have taken in your life? Probably not. It's it's called acceptance in my life. I'm where I I'm where I'm supposed to be. But one of the things that I probably regret the most is the lack of education. Uh, as I sobered up, I started enjoying education, and uh, I've got as much as I possibly could need right now. And this program itself is the most educational program I've ever seen in my life. Very true. It is, oh, it is oh. unbelievable, uh, the education you get from this program if you work it, and how you learn uh, how to uh, read people and be with people. But uh, th- that's probably the only thing. Uh, I could look back at changing some of the things that I did when I was married the first time and things like that, but um, I don't want to be a captain of a ship. And uh, <laughs> That would probably be the only thing. If I would have been able to focus a little bit better when I was younger and, and, and do the educational process like I should have done because I had all the tools I was told. But uh, also along with those tools, I did have a few things like dyslexia. I still have that, so don't ask me to spell anything. But uh, <laughs> that was a, that was something that popped up later in my life, and I've learned to live with it. And I'm not going to change that. That's just part of me, and I'm okay with it. So I can't spell. But right. a lot of those things be- made me feel like I wasn't worth anything. And then the more I drank, the more things that I created for myself made me to f- feel uh, shittier about myself more. And um, that continues to make you drink. And uh, it's, it's a vicious cycle. And fortunately for me, there was people I cared enough to help me out. And I thank God for that every day. I'm sure glad you're sober, Pat, and I'm glad that you're here with us today. We're going to go to Shannon from Inverness, Florida. Shannon, welcome to Sober in the City. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Good. Hey, you hear us talking about the topic of what have addictions cost you. Can you share on that topic for us, Shannon? Yeah, I think um, as far as monetary cost, I think it's you're never going to recoup that. It, it's astounding, though, to hear when I'm sitting here listening to the to the statistics that you put out there. I, I'm just my mouth hanging open. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, money, money, money has gotten to the place in this world that, you know, and I can't always, it's always going to be there one way or the other. I can get it. I can lose it. I can, you know, I always say I wasn't born with it. I can't take it with me. And if I leave it behind, it's just going to cause problems. <laughs> so for me, the more the cost of addiction for me was like the first lady was saying, you know, I lost myself. Um, I wasn't quite sure who I was, but that completely threw me off track. 
you know, of where I was supposed to be. Today, you know, like the gentleman said, I have acceptance, and I know that everything happens in God's will for a reason. And I also know that I couldn't have been the person I am today without going through everything I've been through, good and bad. So am I happy? Am I proud about the things I've done in my past? Absolutely not. Am I open and willing and honest enough to say, yes, this is something I did, and now I have to change it? Yeah. You know, um, it, it cost me... I can't say it cost me my family. It did cost me relationships. It cost me a lot of things, but it cost me my, my self-esteem. It cost me things that I don't even know it cost me yet, to be completely honest with you. Um, you know, it's the things that I have today, because I'm not a drunk, you know, everybody was talking about the things they can't believe that they did. And for me, one of those things I remember was driving home, uh, my two girls, my two daughters, preteens, um, from the hospital in Tampa, Florida, from seeing their dad who was dying of cancer. And I was drunk and couldn't keep the car on the road. I barely remember the trip home. I still cringe when I think about that. Mm. You know, that's one of those things that that is a cost. That is a cost to this day. You know, I, I can, a lot of things I can say, but that's one of those things that still just grinds in my stomach every time I think about it. I had to become grateful instead of expecting everyone to give me everything. Like I was entitled. That was something I didn't have. I was thankful, but I was manipulative because I, you know, like the other lady said, I was a people pleaser and it ended up I needed to get what I wanted and, you know, get what I thought I needed at the time. I wouldn't, I, I can't say it took me a while to get the program, but I think maybe that's just me. I'm one of those learners, you know. I have started, you know, when they say that it, your, your maturity stops, your things stop when you start using and drinking, and, and mine absolutely did. Sometimes my kids are like, Mom, why do you act like that? I'm thinking, well, what crap? Probably because I'm your age. <laughs> I'm probably right there with you still. But, you know, aside from the cost, the gain of this has been tremendous. You know, I, it started me into religion classes. Do I regret anything? Like as far as, you know, what if, what if? I used to do that. I really did. Um, I don't anymore. I really don't. I'm grateful for what I have, and I know that I'm on the right path. You know, God tells me uh, every day, he shows me I'm on the right path. And as I'm going through some of these other things with the religion classes and whatnot, and I'm going through like the ministry class and the evangelism class, and all of a sudden, as I'm reading about this, I'm like, I do this every day (laughs) in a 12-step program. I do. I minister. I evangelize. It's just a different topic somewhat. You know what I mean? But I help people. I minister to them. Sometimes not by saying anything, just being at a meeting, you know, mm-hmm. or being there when somebody needs a hand. And I know I'm kind of going back and forth, but the other thing she said is, you know, that when you guys are talking about the ripple effect, the kindness effect, that's something that costs me nothing. It, I never lose something by helping someone else. I always learn something, good or bad. And for me to smile at a lady, like they said, in the drugstore that has a look on her face, like she's kind of down and just tell her she has a nice, a nice shirt on or something, it, you can see, you know, my payment is seeing her chest puff up and her going, well, thank you. You know, that's the stuff that means to me when before it would have been, well, how much money are you going to give me if I compliment that lady? Is it going to buy me a bottle? You know what I mean? Right, exactly. And as far as money goes, I've spent so much money. But like she said, people, people, family, relationships, love, that to me, the things that I lost the most of when I was out there. You know, the honest reality of myself and the relationships I have with the people in my life that I absolutely love and adore. 
some people that I never even gave a chance that I love and adore when I was drinking. I wanted nothing to do with them. Right. So I believe in that the ripple kindness effect. You know, I think if more people did that, the world would be a much nicer place. And I've seen it more across my Facebook page. There's the good sign and more positive, inspirational stuff coming out lately. And I hope it's catching on. I hope it's like a fever. It is because, Shannon, that's what you're putting out. And that's what's being drawn back to you. The more you put out positive things, the more positive things are going to come back to you. That's the frequency that you live on now. Water seeks its own level. You know, when we were drinkers, we found the other drinkers. When we were pot smokers, we found the other pot smokers. We found each other. And this is what you're doing now. The positive messages that you're putting out now is bringing the positive people into your life. Well, what I think I've heard in general on this show is that people have, yes, spent a lot of money, but at the end of the day, what was more important to them was their relationships and the people that they hurt and the people that are no longer in their lives. Many people spoke about their children and their loss of self. And I think that's what's the most important thing to people. Because at the end of the day, when we're all laying on our deathbeds, counting our piles of money or how much gold we've accumulated or how big the house is that we lived in, I don't think is really going to matter at that point. I think in those final moments, in those final days, it's going to be the relationships and the people that surround us. And are we dying alone? Are we surrounded with love? And do we have people there holding our hand and telling us that we were loved and that we made a difference in their life? I think that's what's going to matter. Shannon, do you agree? Absolutely. I absolutely agree. You know, the, the two things that I find that everybody in the rooms or, or anywhere in life seems to want is acceptance and love. They want to be loved and they want to be accepted. And when you do something nice for somebody or you even smile at somebody who's, you know, in a meeting and they're new or even on the street, it gives them that sense of I'm somebody. Somebody noticed me. Yeah. You know, I, I can't. I can't love them all the time. I, you know, I can't like them all the time. I can't like everybody. But I have to say that I do love everybody today. You know, I tell my kids all the time, I said, I love you more than life itself, but I sure don't like it right now. <laughs> and it's the truth. You know, it's the truth with people around, too. But that's where that acceptance comes in. Nobody has to do it. I'm not God anymore, thank him. And I don't have to do it my way. People can be who they want to be. And I don't have to agree with it to accept it and accept them. That's you know, right. I have the ability, you know, nobody did anything to me in my life that I've, I didn't allow to happen. I come to that realization, you know, hmm. did somebody hurt? Yes. But eventually somewhere along the line, if I followed it all the way back, it was something that I did as well. And sometimes that's all it takes is a smile or a pat on the back or, you know, a kid who doesn't have a mom for you to say good job, you know. That kind of stuff goes on with people. I know it has for me in my life. Well, I'm giving a big you know? smile. I'm giving a big smile to all of you. And I want to thank Karen, Pat, and Shannon for being here with me on Sober in the City. And wherever there is breath, there is hope. Never give up and never quit fighting. Please support our advertisers so we can continue to bring you Sober in the City. Visit us on SoberInTheCity.com and listen live on the Sober in the City app for Apple and Android devices. Please support the Freedom from Addiction Foundation at FFA foundation.com put a dollar in the basket today until next week i'm debbie strand one day at a time staying sober in the city sober in the city hosted by debbie strand is produced for the world by up media group international llc with all rights reserved visit us online today at soberinthecity.com for up-to-date information on addiction recovery and living one day at a time sober in the city supports the freedom from addiction foundation you can give a dollar today at ffafoundation.com
Sober in the City is an on-air 12-step based recovery program designed to help those suffering from alcoholism and or addiction and those affected by them. Call your local radio station today and ask for Sober in the City and visit SoberInTheCity.com. It's causing through your veins, taking away the pain. You'll never be the same with drug music. Drug music. This psychedelic trip will make you throw a fit. Can you handle it? This drug music. Drug music. It's causing through your veins, taking away the pain. You'll never be the same with drug music. Drug music. This psychedelic trip will make you throw a fit. Can you handle it? This drug music. At Belief Treatment Center, we understand. We understand you are struggling. That's why our treatment nourishes mind, body, and spirit. We understand that recovery works differently for everyone. That's why we design individual treatment programs specifically for you. At Believe Treatment Center, we understand that it's not easy. That's why we offer a comprehensive scope of services, including nutrition, massage, chiropractic, and aftercare for you and even for your family. Believe Treatment Center is a 12-step friendly, state-of-the-art facility located in gorgeous Palm Beach County, Florida. We are experts in all types of addiction and recovery, and we are proud sponsors of Sober in the City. To find out more about our program and how your insurance may cover your treatment, call us today at 1-855-874-2354. That's 855-874-2354. 1-855-874-2354. Or visit BelieveTreatmentCenter.com. Believe Treatment Center. We understand. The thought of my sons growing up without me inspired me to quit smoking. I talked to my doctors and then I threw away all my cigarettes, ashtrays, and lighters. I started exercising instead of smoking. Staying away from alcohol when I was first quitting was key. I kept on trying, learned something each time. Do whatever it takes. No matter how many times it takes. We did it, so can you. For free help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and CDC.